Hello, we are back for the very first time uh, with the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network uh, segment of Patreon. This is a an interview segment, something that we have not had in an awfully good long time. Uh, but I am very excited. I'm in partnership today, as always, with my partner, Kay, Kay Hello. Quinn, and a very good friend of ours. That would be Missy Merchant from the namesake of our wonderful Grant Petoskey Star Trek fan club chapter in northern Michigan. That would be Missy Merchant. Missy, Hello. good morning. Um, we have the pleasure to we have the pleasure today of speaking with uh, actress Tara Rosling of Star Trek Discovery fame. Uh, I am going to do something that I never do, which is shut my big mouth uh, <laughs> and let these lovely ladies do uh, all the the work. So again, this is you're listening to this because you have subscribed to our Secret Friends Unite Patreon, which is brain spanking new. This is one of our very first segments, and we're extremely excited. We're also very grateful to Cool Waters production for making this possible. Um, so with that, uh, Tara, welcome. Thank you. I'm just going to interject. It's actually pronounced Tara. My mistake. No this worries. is why I'm going on mute. Nobody wants to hear from my, <laughs> my dumb ass, so I'm going to be quiet. Um, I, I'm going to, <laughs> I know, always starting out way behind the eight ball. So I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to my co-hosts. Take it away. Thank you again, Tara. And uh, since he didn't interject it, I will just say that this is, in fact, the fleet captain, Charlie Carton, that we nice. have in our presence. So. Okay. I'm <laughs> still very, very new to that and very embarrassed whenever we point it out. So we point it out whenever we can. Awesome. As much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so for our Star Trek podcast, I guess to lay some groundwork, what was your experience or exposure to Star Trek prior to working on Discovery? Uh, almost, um, none, <laughs> very little. I think, um, like I didn't have a TV, uh, when I was a kid, probably until I was about 10 or 11 years old. Um, so yeah, my exposure, I'd say in my, in my early teens, every once in a while I'd catch it on TV, but I, I haven't been an avid Trekkie, uh, during the span of my lifetime. Um, yeah, so I have a lot of catching up to do. Well, and that being said, you know, kind of like jumped into the deep end, so to speak, with like cementing your place in the Trek family. What is that like since you didn't really have that like lead up into it to kind of maybe get an understanding of what all Star Trek was about? I think it was um, um, both a pro and a con. I think sometimes walking into things naively or without too many preconceived notions or ideas about what something is supposed to be uh, gives one a certain amount of freedom and liberty. And then, you know, people might ask you questions when you're doing interviews and you have no idea how to answer that question because you have so little experience with, with the canon or with the different, all the different incarnations of Star Trek along the way. So, um, yeah, you know, lots of people ask about how, how I access a Vulcan or what, what kind of research that I, that I did. And, and a lot of it was intuition based. So, you know, like I, if, if I thought about Spock too much, I think, I don't know, I'd have difficulty setting foot on, on the, the set because I'd be too in intimidated with, with the legacy of that. Right. So yeah, I think it's been a, it's been a plus and a minus. Well, and that said, you do an absolutely fantastic job as President Trina, and I'm she's honestly one of my favorite characters Aww. on the cast. She, yeah, she's just so 
Um, so you really, you really command the screen when you're on there and you hold your own with the rest of the cast absolutely beautifully. And so I would just like to know, what do you love about her? and What do you love playing about her? Oh, I mean, a, a Vulcan, I think, is an extraordinary, extraordinary species or gift to play. One of the things that I find so delicious about playing her is the challenge of, I'm hyper-emotional human being by nature. So to to find a way to corset that or um, to play over it um, is, is a great challenge and also a lot of fun when I'm able to access her being. It feels so powerful to not be ripped all over the place by one's emotions. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just, I, I love her. I, I mean, I mean, I, I guess there's aspects that I brought to her. There's aspects that have been just given to me through the writing. I love her. I love her grace. I love mm-hmm. her, um, her compassion. I love her, um, as you said, that that I seem to have a command of her. I love the command that she has. Um, that she doesn't. It's not with. Um, she never. She never uses a really strong hand. It's all a very. Um, I don't know. It's a very understated command. I just uh, playing her is. I feel extraordinarily powerful when I'm playing her. I love that. And I can definitely, it definitely comes across on the screen very, very well. Um, And I have to say one of my favorite scenes with her is probably when she was talking to Saru and it's kind of hearkening to what you were just saying where um, she talks to him about how Vulcans do feel very, very deeply. And I would, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat with you where I have never actually seen a lot of the original series. So you were really my first introduction to a true Vulcan. Um, And so I learned a lot about the Vulcans through you. And so that was really, really amazing to watch. And I noticed that there's some similarity between like the Kelpians and the Vulcans about how they both feel very, very deeply, but cautiously. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just curious, um, how do you think that that played into yours and Saru's growing bond throughout the show? And how do you think that might, or they might be able to kind of challenge and help each other grow in the future as this bond is continuing? Um, wow, that's a big, beautiful question. Um, I think because, I, I mean, I'm surmising. I think that they're both cautious with their hearts. We know a bit about Saru's background. I, 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 I would guess that Trina, you know, there might have been a relationship in the past. Perhaps there was some pain affiliated with that. But now her focus is entirely into the political realm in terms of her, uh, her position. Um, and so... Um, because of their, because of their great feeling, and because of their history, and because they're, I mean, they're so they're both quite deep into their lives. Um, there's just a great gentleness and tenderness. I also love the the honesty that is there between them. Um, so there's no games. They they kind of they enter the realm of the of the relationship um, very sweetly and very upfront, very candidly. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think that they take great care of each other's hearts and, you, you know, you'll see 
I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything. <laughs> obviously, yes, without spoilers, obviously. But season five. So, so you'll see, like they they have to navigate new things over the course of season five, where they come up with their the personal comes up against the professional, and how they navigate that. There are some sparks. There there are some challenges and difficulties. But the way they they find their way through is ultimately with being very honest with each other. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I think it definitely does. And, yeah. you know, like I said, I think that both um, Trina and Sue, they've been very good for each other as far yeah, as like helping each hold, other. They hold each other with great respect and with great tenderness and with great honesty. And I think those are elements that um, are essential to, to a healthy relationship. Yeah, I think the first time they met, um, or I guess they had, they were together with the um, room where Tarina was um, holding conference and she gave him hot water with salt in it or tea with a little bit of salt. And just that, like my, yeah, yeah, that one moment in the way that you two shared a glance, you and Doug, it was just so sweet. And I was like, oh, (laughs) the gift giving, the gift giving continues and the gift, giving, the giving of tea, the giving of plants, (laughs) Yes, really, really beautiful gestures. And like, so uh, their heart, they're so full of heart, right? They're so, and they're so specific. But um, I recently did a, a little PR thing for, for season five and I was talking about, this is a tangent, but how how a plant is such a beautiful analogy for a relationship because if, if it is given, you know, the light and the water, then it then it grows and blooms. And I, I just, I, I love that that's been incorporated into their storyline. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, obviously the chemistry between Tarina and Sir, between yourself and Doug, is very evident as the audience. Since we do have a pretty solid background, like, as far as Saru's upbringing and where it got him to the current time, and we don't have that with Tarina's, what kind of stuff have you had to pull from your past experiences to bring that to life? The romance itself? Like, the... Mm-hmm. the I mean, if anything, I think it's... It's um, it's very much an old-fashioned, slow-burning, very sweet. So, if anything, I think it would be like a really, really innocent teenage romance would be. Would be. Yeah, complete <laughs> like, with the awkwardness, which is great. <laughs> I remember being—I—I I don't know—I might have been in grade seven or eight and like having a crush on a boy, but like, and actually at one point sitting in a car with him. But we were so nervous we couldn't actually like. We just sat like with our hands on our laps, kind of a of each other's presence but not really engaging with each other like it's that kind of it's so it's so exquisite so yeah it's not very um yeah it's so innocent it would go back I would be pulling back from 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 the romance or even like in my I have to say in my my husband my husband was a very sweet quarter like he did invite me for tea Our, our first date was Hey Tara, would you like to come over to my house and have a cup of tea? So that's very cerulean. Oh, what? <laughs> but it, but it's that thing where there's, um, yeah, it's just. Uh, are they rare these days? Those kind of, those kind of romances. They're quiet. They're sweet. They're tender. Um, I love that. I love that the show has, the, the show decided to to develop it, and um, I just think it's been written so. Um, I'm repeating the word, but exquisitely. I just think mm-hmm. it's so, um, so heartening to see the two of them. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I would say exquisite is a very nice word for that. <laughs> yeah. Or as you said earlier, delicious, just delicious. deliciously. Yes. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. I like the evidence with that in the, uh, in season four, when Saru's holding the plant and what is that? Oh, this, yes, this was a gift. We just offered to give this over to you. <laughs> yes. It, it harks to real life. And I think that's the best for television, especially with science fiction, when you can hark back to real life and people can relate to it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's just a little bit of awkwardness and there's a little bit of blushing and there's a little bit of not quite fully, um, fully understanding, but, but enough of, enough of um, a desire to that they find their way. Like, yeah, I think it's just, uh, yeah, it's delightful. Absolutely. So that's kind of like the emotional transformation into Trina. Uh, you posted a video a week or so ago on your social medias about like the physical transformation wow. process yeah. and how it actually takes three hours, which I thought was incredible. I would have expected you, Incredibly it to be a long less. or incredibly short? Yeah, incredibly long, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is longer some days than I would like, especially if I'm called at three in the morning. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that is an early call. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so many steps in the process. And it, I think it also depends on how many casts they have uh, on a certain day. Like if the, if the prosthetics team has to process a lot of, a lot of people, then, then the process is, is perhaps a little bit longer just because there's so many bodies to put in chairs. But yeah, did you want me to walk you through it? Absolutely, if you wouldn't mind. Um, so I, I, I arrive on set in the first place. I have to go as hair, and they, they pull my hair back in like a, a little hairnet. And then and then once that's happened off, I go to prosthetics, and they they put like um, glue pads over my eyebrows. Mm-hmm. So they're like a shape like that, and they're super sticky. Like when you're trying to remove them, it's like um, a whole bunch of excuse me, boogies, like really (laughs) stuck to your face that you're just trying to like, yeah. Um, so, so the little shields go over the eyebrows, the ears go on. Um, and they're, they're all made out of glue and they're all, they were all, well, the ears were built off of a mold of my face. So they were made specifically for my head. Um, and then they have to change the color because Vulcans are a little bit um, paler or have a bit more green. They're, they're, they're green blood, yeah, so the hue is slightly different. So once the ears are on and the eyebrow pads are on, back I go to, oh, for, then I go to makeup and, and, and Craig does wonders with this mug. Um, <laughs> and then from there I go uh, to hair. This is a new routine this year and they put on my sharp little um, nerdy Vulcan wig. Um, and they, they changed the order of the process this year because the prosthetics like like to use the the bang line to set the eyebrows. So after the wig is on, then I go back to prosthetics and they place the eyebrows. And then I'm pretty well done. Yeah. And then after all that's done, then you usually go to blocking um, in your own attire. Uh, and then while the team is 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 setting up the lights and whatnot for the scene, then then the the final. Uh, element of the transformation which is always spectacular the wardrobe so with all that time the three you say we'll say average three hours do you use that time to like mentally prep and get yourself ready for the day or do you just kind of use it to have that last little bit of relaxed time in uh i guess it depends on a, if I'm called at three in the morning, then I'm then I might try, <laughs> I might try to, I try to close my eyes and and see if I can drift a little bit into the into the realm of sleep. Um, usually, 
I find for this work, I have to be super, super prepared. Uh, I think it's because I come from a theater background and I, I find a lot of actors that work in the, in the world of, of film and TV, they know their lines, but they don't have, they're not as ingrained as in their system as they have, as, as I need them to be. Um, so, so I don't need to, I find that three hours is a time to like, um, just chill, gab. Usually there's tunes playing on the trailer. Usually mm-hmm. like people are very funny. There's laughter had, there's silliness had. So it's just a, it's a time to kind of relax and um, just allow the system a, a no stakes. Like there's no, it's just an easygoing time before the, um, the work of the day begins really. Yeah. Yeah kind of like your own form of community at that point and kind Very of much. I mean, the, because yeah. of family, absolutely. I don't work as much as say, you know, Doug or, or certainly not Sonequa. So that is their family for eight months that, that cast mm-hmm. through, but yeah, everybody, uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The discovery team, the cast and crew are some of the most, um, generous, beautiful, um, welcoming. It's just, it's, it's, it's a, an, a, a really lovely set to work on. It's been a gift to work on that show. So yeah, family is the is the right word, and that comes from the top down. Sinequa makes a point of 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 you know saying we are a family, and there are mm-hmm. things that are laid in to to generate the or to support the vibe of family or the feeling of family. So yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really great team. That's really wonderful, and especially because this show, unlike um, some of the past or past Star Trek shows, is really delving into a lot of like deep emotional um, conflict and struggle with the characters. So it's really beautiful that they can make a place for vulnerability and for that kind of restoration. Yeah. Um, and with that, because we were kind of talking about how. Um, Tarina is a little bit different than you as far as, you know, you are very emotional and like, like we can see that you have a lot of joy and expression in your face while you're talking to us. And that's something that obviously you cannot show as Tarina. So I'm just curious, um, you do a very, very good job of showing the subtlety and nuance to convey Tarina's ideas and thoughts and kind of feelings that she has underneath that Vulcan surface with, like I said, great subtlety and nuance. So how were you able to balance that restraint and nuance um, with her character and still be able to get all of those complex ideas across on the screen? I don't know. I, I <laughs> it's, you know, people have asked me that before. Like I, I did an interview and he, he asked me, how do I lay in all the expression and all the nuance and all the feeling underneath, underneath the mask, underneath the Vulcan mask. And I think it's just something that happens between it's something that happens for hyper emotional Tara, um, in the shape of a Vulcan. So, so I can't turn off all my feelings. I can try to, I can try to, um, oh, I can try to live on top of them. I can try to, um, I don't know how to articulate it, but it's like a filter. There's a filter of a Vulcan. There's a corset of Vulcan, and so those things inevitably. Um, trickle through and and um, but I don't have to lay them in because they are an, an innate part of who I am if that makes any sense so so it's it's the meeting of Trina and Tara I think that's what's happening um, but I will say that 
I mean, some directors, for the first time I got to work with Jonathan Frakes this year, and it, it was an extraordinary gift. I, I, I really, really loved working with him. And he was like, he was very curious about how I was approaching her because he, he did see all that, that nuance and, and feeling happening. Um, but more often than not, like say I'm working with Tunde, the, the direction is that was beautiful. Now let's do another take and I'd like you to vulcanize it. So it's, <laughs> inevitably they want me to pair more back and pair more back. And so it's a, again, it's a really beautiful challenge for me. It's like, how close can I get to doing nothing? Right? Yeah. So, and that for me is work. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can agree with that. That would be a lot of work for me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just to trust that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's super fun. Like it's really, really fun. Um, but, but yeah, I have to challenge myself time and time again. It's like, how can I do less? How can I do less? How can I apply more of the filter of, of Trina and, and trust that that, that will, that will speak, um, what my intention is in the scene. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and obviously you work with different directors depending on, you know, who's working on the episode at the time. Um, but how much um, creativity or uh, creative freedom do you have as far as like her dialogue or movements or how she's coming across on screen? Is it a lot of like you just kind of playing it off and then they will kind of, the director will kind of re-guide you and take you where you want, where they want it to go? Or is some of them like very much like you are going to walk in, then you're going to stand here and then you're going to, then you're going to touch your face and then you're going to look over at this person. <laughs> um, do you mean dialogue is in script itself? Yeah. Like scripting, like are you, do you have any flexibility with like how you say, I know you were saying you're at the theater background, you might have more of just, I'm going to memorize the lines they give me, or do you do a little bit of improvisation with it as well, where you feel like, you know, the line that they have you saying, maybe Trina would say it a little bit differently. So they're very strict about you learn what is given on the page and they have a script supervisor. So if you go off script, she will gently come and say, um, so <laughs> this here, if you could say this instead, that would be great. That being said, there's been a couple times this season where I, um, have wanted to contact the writer and ultimately you're speaking also to Michelle Paradise because she's the showrunner. Um, and also she's written, I mean, she wrote one in 10. Um, and so if you want to, if you, if you'd like to suggest something gently, you have to go through very <laughs> formal lines Okay. and they might say, Oh, that's interesting. Sure. Give that a try. And then, and then you, it'll have to go through all the lines. Everybody will have to know there's an official script change or they'll say, actually, we talked a lot about that and we'd like you to stick with what it is. Right. So, so you, you can't just arrive on set and go, Hey, <laughs> cool improvisation today. Um, in terms of physicality, often the director will come to the scene with a strong idea of how they want it to play in the space. But during the course of the blocking, you're free to say, do you think I could try this here? Or would you be open to me doing this there? And, you know, Doug has said a couple of times, I'd really love to add this gesture here or, you know, and so... And so again, they're open to that um, and they might feel it's a great contribution or they might think, they might say, actually, I'd really like you to play in this area just because of where the, how the lighting is or whatever. So that can be a conversation or a negotiation. They're never strict in terms of, you know, 
touch your face here or that you have the liberty but once mm-hmm. once you've established that of course because of continuity you better do it in every single take that you do <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> the supervisor will come and say actually you had your hands like this not like this in the last take can you please do this again right so um yeah so there's if if you really put up if you really put up a good argument for what it is that you'd like to do physically or verbally, or um, uh, they're certainly open to hearing that and, and sometimes willing to shift things. But for the most part, certainly in terms of script, that is, that is etched in stone. Yeah. Which I don't mind because I guess like what you alluded to coming from the theater background, like if I'm working on an Ibsen play or a Tennessee Williams play, I can't ever say <laughs> But I think that this sounds better. I'm just going to, I'm going to riff on You know, it's, you, you, you have to, that playwright has given you those words in that sequence for an absolute reason. And that's my job is to, to take that blueprint off the page and process it and bring the character to life using what the playwright has given me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. I like that they, they're not so strict that they're really hard on, uh, like what we have said and what we have done must be followed, but they will allow a little bit of interpretation, but it does still give you some really strong guidelines to work off of. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like if you're, you know, Sonequa and you, and you, and you want to change some lines, you might not have to write to the, (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) a well-versed in that world. Right. Like, so, Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, but, but, for me, for Tara playing Trina, those are the lines I have to go through. <laughs> so with playing Trina, kind of, it's usually asked in a lot of Star Trek interviews, but if you had to be somebody besides Trina, if you had to be somebody that was non-Vulcan and non-human, what race do you think you would play? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um... I don't know. I don't think I'd want to be a Klingon. <laughs> you know, that's fair. I can't say I would want to either. <laughs> yeah. I would want to be a Kelpian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but of course, I'm not super well-versed in all the different species that exist in, in the Star Trek world because I'm not that familiar with the entire Star Trek world. So, you know, I'd have to go, who are the blue creatures? The Orion. No, the, the Orions are green. And, Andorians. Are Andorians, oh, yes. yes. Andorians. Maybe I'd want to be an Andorian. There's some, I mean, when we're doing big group scenes uh, and they have a lot of, of background performers come in these incredible outfits with these, like, I could probably say, I could probably say I'd like to be them, 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 and them. <laughs> I don't know what them, 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 and them are right now. So it's not very helpful. Just make it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so kind of like shifting out of some Star Trek specific, you do have a lot of characters in various roles on screen and stage under your belt. As far as your other like film and television roles, um, like one of my personal favorites is Murder in the Hamptons. Oh my goodness! I have my ways. <laughs> um, but like, I'm curious, like, what if any of your characters that you've played throughout the years would you say are characters that are more like Tara, or and some that are maybe less like Tara? In real life. Oh, interesting. 
Um, well, I did play Saint Joan a long time ago, and I'd I'd say she's probably a lot like Tara. Tara can be very <laughs> Tara can be very persistent and demanding, and 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 um, <laughs> she can have big energy and take up a lot of space and and kind of tell people that this is how it should go. So there's certainly a but then by the same token, I played, um, do you know uh, Washington Square? It's, the play is called The Heiress. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very shy and timid. And there's certainly aspects of Tara. I don't know. Well, that's the great thing about being an actor. Like we have so many facets in our character. And each character that we're gifted to play asks us to tease or pull out different qualities of ourselves. So, um you know, when I, when I, just prior to doing Star Trek, I was working on a show called Impulse and I was playing a very repressed Mennonite. I really loved playing her. Her name was Esther Miller. Um, and she was dark and strange and I'm pretty strange too. So I, I really, <laughs> 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 I, I really enjoyed playing her. I don't know. That's a, I, I couldn't say what character is, is most, is most like Tara. Certainly not the uh, one of my other favorites where you were the uh, parolee girlfriend Which <laughs> coming to visit. Oh, I'm trying to remember the show. Um, it was like Muppets that murder Muppets. That oh kill. God! <laughs> Somebody, I, for some reason, I was exposed to some footage from that recently, and I, 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 I for, that was a, that was a, from me. I was like, <laughs> a, I didn't was remember that-, that at all. Yeah. Was that one the what was it called the Happy Fun Time Happy Fun Time Land the one with Melissa McCarthy the movie is that what you're talking about no 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 I was like this really flirtatious yeah was was puppets who kill it was a very weird yeah. so there's so there's there's two things out there about murderous puppets so in explaining yeah. genre I guess I didn't know anything about so I'm <laughs> okay um yeah. I don't know. It's funny too. Like, um, I think time has shifted certainly because of the pandemic, uh, and also just because of where I am in my, in my life. So it's, I don't even remember doing some things. Like when I first got out of school, I couldn't get a theater gig to save my life. And I ended up, I had a very good agent. So I ended up doing a lot of film and TV. And if I had to think back and try to remember what I did in my late twenties, I'd be like, um, like I, I, I remember some of them, but some of them I have, like I have absolutely no recollection. Not like Doug Jones, who's like, well, in uh, 19... 19- <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> he remembers, you know, the date, the show, the cast, like everything. His, he, he has an incredible memory. Um, but This I, is sounding like a bit of a parallel between Charlie and I, where I will be talking oh, about, yeah. I don't know, well, this, this show... Like, we'll be talking about a Star Trek episode. I'm like, there was this really, like, great scene with this. And then he'll be like, yeah, and that guy played in this Star Trek episode. And then he was born here. And he will be able to encyclopedically recite to me every single person and cast line. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just have a lot of opinions about how I think the plot we're in a while along. (laughs) It's a lot of, lot of, lot of lonely uh, Friday nights in high school, you know, 30 years ago. uh, In grade. Uh, so getting it sounds like you've been able to get more back on stage in the theater role like more now in your life uh, have you been doing a lot of stage work versus screen work has it been pretty well evenly matched no for um i mean once i finally so what happened was uh, i finally made enough money being um glorified uh, back well glorified extra in a movie called 
I don't know, Extreme Measures, I think that's what it was called with Hugh mm-hmm. Grant. So I took that money and I produced my own one woman show. And then and then after I did that play, then people started hiring me in theater. It's like I had to, to prove that I wanted to do it en- enough that people would actually pay me. <laughs> so, so since that time, which would have been like my early 30s, and that's 20 years ago, um, it's been predominantly theater. Uh, and then like uh, picking up, trying to pick up a, a, a TV gig or two in the off season. Cause usually like these, these theater festivals, if, if you're lucky enough to work at the Shaw or Stratford festival, they'll go from the spring to the fall. So you're like guaranteed six to eight months of work. And then you try to, you know, you audition for film and TV, um, between like October and February to try to get some. So that's kind of what my life has uh, looked like until, um, 2018. In 2018, Impulse invited me back as a regular character, so I left the Shaw, and then um, and then that spun into Star Trek. But I am going back to the Shaw next year, so I will be starting there in February um, to work with uh, my favorite director. So I'm very excited about that. And um, yeah, I did. I did contact Michelle about it, and she didn't seem to think it would be that big of a problem because it looks like. If if discovery goes back, it'll be go back in the fall. So in in theory, um, it's possible to do both, which is ideal. Um, <laughs> we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. And if if we can ask, um, what show will be um, will you be a part of with the Shaw? So what are they producing? The, yeah. The, um, so usually because the the Shaw and Stratford are both their repertory theaters, so everybody every company member does two plays. So I'll be doing the. The, the show that I'm doing with Peter Hinton is called The Shadow of a Doubt, and it's by, um, oh my God, don't forget her name. Um, <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe it'll come back to me. She wrote um, Age of Innocence. She's a screenwriter. Edith Wharton. So Edith oh, Wharton, yes. who's known for writing films, uh, recently um, this play of hers was was discovered. So I believe this is the first... Certainly the third, the first, uh, I think, production in Canada, if not North America, of her play. Um, and then I'm crossed into a Tom Stoppard farce called Razzle Dazzle. No, on the Razzle. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the farce is super funny. The farce is really fun. And it's a really nice because the Edith Wharton play is very, it's kind of, it's, it's set in the late 1800s. So it's a period piece. Peter Hinton has already told me some conceptual ideas in terms of his directorial approach, which are really, really exciting in terms of the, uh, the juxtaposition or the clash of the, the period and the modern world coming together, the marriage of the mm-hmm. two. Um, so I'll get to play in like um, um, period drama and then this really, really silly farce. That will be amazing. And out of curiosity, because there was an Alfred Hitchcock film called Shadow of a Doubt. Is this have any relation to it or? I don't think so. I'd have to Google it. But- <laughs> <laughs> so, and the only reason I say that is because the script was just uncovered. So Okay. That's kind of what I, when you were saying that, that's kind of what I was figuring, but I just wanted to double check. <laughs> yeah. And the season isn't overwhelmingly huge for me, which is good because my husband will be working at Stratford, which is two and a half hours away. So for eight months, I'm I'm in Shaw. He's at Stratford. Um, yeah, and I'm with my kids. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would it be safe to say that, like, given your preference between stage and film, that stage would be more your go-to? Is that your like your preferred method of acting, or? Um. 
I'd say it's the world that I'm more familiar with, the the world that I feel like I know better. When I'm on when I'm on a set, I'm still, you know, some actors know they're like, what lens are we using? Like, you know, they're really well versed in the world, and and um, I, I'm I'm certainly more familiar with theater. And I'd say that one of the things that really excites me about returning to the Shaw is I do very much miss the creative process. Of, of being in a rehearsal hall and collaboratively creating a piece of a story, a story, which is not, which is, you know, it's just what happens in, 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 it's not to say that you don't get to create or collaborate when you're doing film and TV, but you, you pretty much come with what you, you prepare what you expect to do that day. And then you might get a little, a little nip and tuck on the go, but time is of the essence. The clock is ticking. It's a very, you know, there's a lot of, of money involved. And so you don't have the luxury of saying, what if we did like, let's try this. We'll, do this. we'll let you, you know, so it's, it's just a different beast. And, um, I, you know, I wouldn't have traded the last four years for anything I've had. I, I feel specifically working during the pandemic when theater came to a grinding halt for for a year year and a half star trek has been uh an unbelievable gift um but i i i wish in an ideal world there was a way to balance the two you know but it's like theater books a year in advance and tv books a week in advance (laughs) you know it's it's really um and 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 Star Trek is never, it never shoots at the same time every year. So it's not like you can say I'm free for, you know, during these months, it's, you you never know when it's going to happen. So yeah, it is what it is. So, um, thinking both film and, um, theater, um, was, is there a dream role that you have not been able to tackle yet that you would still love to play either on stage or on screen? There were, I'm kind of too old now and I'm really upset. <laughs> like I really wanted to play Blanche Dubois in Streetcar Named Desire. T- Tennessee Williams is one of my favorite playwrights of all time. I just think he writes, ext- they're so poetic. They're so human. Mm-hmm. They're so, human beings are so vulnerable. They're so raw. They're so, there's so much ugliness, but it's all beautifully exposed. Um, so you know, anything by Tennessee Williams. There's another play called Night of the Iguana. There's a, a character named Hannah that I would love, 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 love to play. Nobody's really doing those plays right now. I'll, another playwright that I love is Ibsen. But again, like, I've missed my head of Gabler window. Um, so, you know, I'd have to go through it. I'd have to read all the plays again and see what was uh, appropriate for where I am now in my life. Um but uh, the ones that I was really, really pining to play, I've kind of, I've moved beyond. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's the rough part is that everything is so specific with acting where it's like, no, we, it has to be within this window. Otherwise it doesn't work. Mm. You know what I would like, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not typical casting for Blanche Dubois. Blanche Dubois and I'm not typical casting for, um, for Martha in, um, uh, what a dump! What's the play called? See, when I need the when I need the words, I don't have them. Uh, Virginia Woolf. Who's a oh yes, okay. I was like, I know the character, but yeah. I don't remember the play. <laughs> a great play, Edward Albee play, but that would be something that would be that would be age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are there any speaking of roles that you want to play? Are there any roles or traits that would be a deal breaker for you as far as characters that you're portraying? I, I don't 
think so. I think it depends on how it how it lives in the story. Like if if I think actors are always I certainly am always up for the challenge of stretching myself of of trying to inhabit a being that I haven't that I don't feel that I've inhabited before. Um I have passed on auditions for material that I just couldn't stomach. So it depends mm-hmm. on like um how the character lives in the fabric of the story. Um Yeah, so if it was really, you know, um sensationalized material or there there was stuff that I felt that was hyper gratuitous, then I'd be mm-hmm. less inclined, but it it really depends on the the project itself. If that Yeah, how they're yeah. portraying those characteristics. Yeah, and what the story is and who's and who's behind the story, who's directing mm-hmm. the story, who's written the story, who else is involved. Um Yeah, I've become more picky about the material that I'd like to to work on. Um but I I couldn't say up front uh I'd never play this character. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Context is really important in those Absolutely. scenarios, I imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um so do you um like to watch yourself perform? No. Do you <laughs> no. I mean that's one of the things about theaters you can't really like they'll do like an archival video of the play just so that they have it, but you can't really see yourself in theater, thank God. I did watch did you watch Star Trek just because I'm curious about how because because I'm not as well versed in that world, I like to see how things play and I'll be like, "Oh, I could have done less there." Or, "Oh, I uh, I didn't need to like for Trina, I was like, "Oh, that the Vulcan doesn't need to be so physical. There I could have found more stillness there." So I learn I learn from watching. And I'm not just watching myself, watching other characters go, "Oh, that was, you know, that was really beautifully played or I love the simplicity of that or um But no, no. I don't I don't know very many actors that do like to <laughs> like that. Um yeah. So, but that said, um does your family watch your performances? Like do your kids like sit down and watch Discovery going yeah, on or Diana's you know? Like, oh, really? I mean, like, you know, you don't have to, but <laughs> I <laughs> I sometimes wish that some of my family members would watch things that I was in, but I can't of course I can't force them. And um yeah, no not um my husband will watch. He's eager to watch. He enjoys watching. Oh, yeah, and he's 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 very good at uh he's a lovely uh he does a lovely critique of what, no tar that was really great or yeah, I agree with you. You could have done less or you know. <laughs> <laughs> Supportive so. honesty. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's say you didn't go into acting, mm. you know, different, different universe for Tara. Mm. Um, what do you think you would be doing instead today? Um, well, I've fallen in love with the environment. I've fallen in love with nature. I've always been deeply fascinated by really weird things like seed pods. And I don't know if it's like on a, on a, uh, in the world of symbolism, just how they, um represent death and rebirth or whatever but i um i i somehow think that i would be in, in involved in something environmental um or i love teaching i love working with young people i love working mm-hmm. with kids uh and that's one of the things that i've been doing more and more um over the past i guess you know seven or eight years is through the through the Shaw festival they have an education department and um 
um, actors can become involved in, in that regard if they if they wish. So sometimes we get shuttled out to elementary schools or high schools. Um, sometimes we do workshops with students uh, at the theater itself. And um, I don't know. There's just something about children. Uh, it, maybe it's co- comparable to animals. They're just present. They're they're just like these you know these entities that are. They're present. They're curious. They're I love engaging with them. I don't know. I just find it so refreshing. And um, yeah, so those would be the two off the top of my head. Something in environmentally oriented, or something in the world of teaching, or or I mean, these are all. Uh, this is also um, acting oriented. Is like some psychology. Um, being mm-hmm. some kind of, well, Missy, Missy is well versed in that world. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of education, just a yeah. touch. <laughs> yeah. I say, yeah. But I, um, I come from a our education background, so okay. I understand completely. Yeah, there's a, just a purity in children when they discover yeah. something for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I love teasing them. Like I love like saying things to them, and they're like, "What?" And you're like, "Yeah, I'm just joshing with you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, how is Tara's life now different than Tara's life growing up? Oh, in so many regards. Um, That's a very complicated question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, to be perfectly candid, I grew up with a great deal of dysfunction. And uh, my my brother's life has gone in a very different direction. He struggled with addiction his whole life, and he's had a very difficult time being on the planet. So... I was. I think I was. I attribute a lot of that to finding acting, to finding something that gave me a voice, something that gave me validation. Um, so, so I've, 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 um, and I've done a lot of work in my life. I've done a lot of um, work on myself. Work, work with therapists. Work, blah, 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 blah. So I'd say that I'm um, a lot healthier now than than young than young Tara. Tara, young Tara was pretty lost, pretty anxious. We moved all the time. Like at one point I counted, I think we moved almost, uh, we had as many houses as, as I was old. So oh, wow. Yeah, we moved all the time. My mom was <clears throat> parenting. She's trying to put herself through school. My brother was struggling. Um, we were a bit of a gypsy family. So there was no real stability. <laughs> <laughs> How much yeah. else do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, and I have to attribute a lot of it to my husband. He's, he's, you know, I'm the hyper emotional one. I'm like, and he's like solid. He's in our, in our, in my wedding speech, I I compared, I was the moon. He was the sun. He's stable. And I kind of like go around and whack. (laughs) And, and he's really helped ground me in life and, you know, having a daughter and, and, and being, um, being fearful of, of how good of a parent I would be because I didn't have a great uh, role model. And seeing her grow and become a beautiful human being has been so deeply rewarding for me. So there's there's been a lot of things that have, have, um, that have um, filled, my, filled my sense of, of, of being and a lot of things that have grounded me. So I feel like um, Tara at, I just turned 52, Tara at 52, um, I'm a lot more engaged. Um, I'm a lot more grounded, and I give a lot less shit. So <laughs> what other people think? So I yes. <laughs> for the most part, like I, I, you know, I'll do my deep dives down the rabbit hole and be like, oh, this is so, you know, I'll have my hard days. 
but for the most part, life is pretty great. You know, I, I, I feel very, I feel very grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I totally agree that if you, you know, if acting hadn't panned out or if that was never on the table, I consider you to be an environmentalist and also kind of a humanitarian. Mm. So like what age, if you like hark back to the younger, to the youthful days, did that become something that was an interest to you or something you felt passionate about helping others, helping the environment? Mm. That's been recent, but I think I've always been a deeply empathetic person and I've always, um, I've always, it's just something about my heart and my orientation, probably a lot to do with my upbringing too, having a great sensitivity it's a, it's a, uh, to other people. So I've often been the ear for the underdog. <laughs> 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 um and then the environmental thing, like I've realized that like I've, I've always cared about, you know, recycling or I've always really enjoyed being in nature, but it wasn't until, it was until the beginning of the pandemic that I started a little eco-friendly business called Little Green Shop. Um, and I, that was a really wonderful adventure for me connecting with all these, um, you know, uh, people within the province of Ontario who crafted their own environmentally friendly products and I bring them on board and I try to convince my local community which was completely futile because nobody was really interested to buy <laughs> the shampoo bars and buy the bamboo anyway um, <laughs> but I think also something happens around the midlife point where you know, I, I was very fixated on career for my through my through my tw late twenties, thirties, and early forties. That was all, and it's probably also has a lot to do with being a mother and Eliana having Eliana in my life. That the the priorities start to do this, or the or the um, the blinders start to do this, where it's not just all career, me, 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 um, and it's been very very important for me to speak out about the environment about, um, you know, when they started unearthing these mass graves with the residential schools uh, to, to speak out to that, to speak out the people suffering in Ukraine, um, with, with the war. Um, uh, what else have I, I've been doing this fundraiser for a women's shelter in St. Catharines, uh, since 2014. I don't know. I just think that if I have, if I have the means, um, there are so many people that are, are having a much more challenging time than I am. And if I can help, then, then, um, that's really, really important for me. And there's a lot of good stuff that you've been involved in, in there. Oh, you know, you, I've, I've, I've kind of followed, you know, followed along. Obviously we've talked, uh, in mm -hmm. private about like the mass graves up in Canada and they're starting to do some here in the U S how do you find a balance between like the career role now that it's kind of opened up a little bit and the motherhood role and this humanitarian role? Like how does that all meld together? Yeah. Sometimes I overextend myself. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like today I'm like, Eliana, I have an interview and then I have to go to the Shaw Festival and be a reader for these auditions and you're going to have to walk the dogs and we have to clean up the house because your father's coming home. <laughs> Like, mom, um, please, mom. <laughs> I think I try to do what I can do when I can do it. 
I, like the other thing that I'm doing right now is I'm volunteering for Niagara Dog Rescue. So we got our dog through this rescue organization. And so when I can, but you just have to, I guess it's a skill that I'm still working on is allotting time when I can, instead mm -hmm. of feeling the <clears throat> great pressure to, to undertake everything because we, we, we can't, is to say, I, I can do this and I'll have to do this later. And this is what needs my full attention now. And I'm still learning that. I'm not, I, I'm by no means, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not very qualified in that department. I'm still, <laughs> still, still very much a student. Um, but they're all important. So I don't know. I, 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 I just, I feel that if I, I have a voice and I can use it, I can use that voice um, in ways that are beneficial, then I want to do that. Absolutely. And you know what? Sometimes I get so frustrated, like I'll, po I'll post things on social media about there's a rally coming up or that, you know, the, we have to get out, like call your politicians and like I get one thumbs up. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> why are we so apathetic? Like why, why? Um, but I'll still do it. You know, I'll still because there. you got that one thumbs up. That right, time. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's probably your thumb. So anyway, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> She's got two As, thumbs. We all do. There's six yeah. thumbs for you right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a counselor. You know, that's my been my passion in my career path, and with the help of the fellow crew, I've been you know appointed our ship's counselor now for the USS Grand Petoskey. One might say I'm qualified in that area, but I would still say I'm still a student. But what do you do for self-care then? Because you do have so many irons in the fire, so to speak. What mm -hmm. do you do to make sure that Tara is still being taken care of? Um, I think a, lo a, a large um, part of my self-care is walking my dog. It's the way I start my day and it's the way I finish my day before the sun sets and I'm just out. Um, there's where I live. There's so many beautiful um, green expanses. We have some, something called the Commons. It's just a big green space. It's the dog park, but it's not contained by any means. The dogs can run around off leash, and there's there's woods connected to that. And um, because I because I do have such a a deep connection and um, adoration for nature I just find that deeply replenishing just being outside and whatever the season um so that I I, I could probably learn to meditate <laughs> 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 I think that would be really really that's that's also part of my previous life is I I did yoga teacher training and I taught yoga for a few years um and I, I could I could probably pull some of that back into my life because it's the, the, the yoga practice is so deeply rooted in breath and even just mm -hmm. breath, just even taking a few deep breaths is so rejuvenating, grounding, stilling, calming, clearing, cleansing. Um, so I could, I could definitely afford to invite some of that back into my life. Um, invite some of those Trina qualities back in. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. But yeah, for now it's it's um it's walking outside. That's that's my my biggest form of of um. I do I do work out every once in a while too, and I also find that I think it's just again the breath connected to the breath. Yeah. Yeah, that physical connection actually, to the surroundings. 
Yeah. I have quite a bit of a background in yoga myself. I was practiced for many years and have dabbled with wanting to get back into it. I would love to take a class instructed by Tara. That would be phenomenal. <laughs> we would all that would be phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll be my next. It'll be uh, some kind of a fundraiser. It'll be an online yoga class. <laughs> Oh, yes. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so if you had to leave us or if you would gift us with one piece of philosophical advice, what would it be? No pressure. Um, <laughs> Just ending with a lighthearted question. <laughs> Softball. <laughs> It's proven true for me. I just think allowing one's heart to be your compass is um, um, just a really um, valuable way to travel through. Which would which would contradict Trina, who who allows logic, <laughs> logic to be her compass. But I mean, yeah, the heart. I think it's really important to be heart forward these days. There's so much shit going on in this world, and. Um, yeah, we all need to uh, remember that we're we're all the same and take care of each other. So, heart compass, beautiful. heart compass. Beautiful. Heart Thank you. Compass. Beautiful words. That's fantastic. More beautiful words were never said. Mm. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about it. All right. Well, gosh, that um, kind of takes us to the end. What a, and it's been an hour of this amazing conversation. What, um, God, what a, I hate to use a cliche, but gosh, what a journey. I mean, this has really been fantastic. Um, we had an end portion that we were prepared for while we were on. If you happen to be glancing at my phone, there was a little hiccup with it. So we're going to have to wait on that. I did message you guys about that, but it was a surprise we had for, for Tara, which is going to have to wait. So I apologize. Um, so there'll be a future surprise coming up. Um, but yeah, this was really great. Tara, thank you so much for my your time. Pleasure. It was lovely. This was absolutely uh, spectacular. Um, to my amazing co-host, uh, Kay and Missy, wow. I, I, I've never been so glad to, to keep my mouth shut for 55 minutes. <laughs> this was this was because um, I, I feel like there was very little that I could have contributed that would have made things gone any differently. Um, to wrap up, this is, uh, again, we want to thank Cool Water um, Productions uh, for making this possible. Absolutely terrific. Thank you so much to the team there. Um, and this was, as I said, a presentation of the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network patreon movement if you will uh listen in the post credits for information uh about how to get signed up uh or rather you're already signed up because otherwise how would you be listening to this oh my goodness <laughs> do visit uh our website uh at secretfriendsunite.com that's where you can find all of our podcast content and uh a, a gateway to the patreon content as well if uh you want to tell a friend about it and learn about what the different benefits are but my goodness with that uh i'm gonna wrap it up i'm gonna thank absolutely everybody for joining us um and tell you as always to uh that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking and wherever you go go boldly live long <laughs> and prosper <laughs> <laughs>